0: I'm Brett Witterbull. It is the Brett Waterbull show. Happy you all are out there excited to be joined by you. Certainly it was a uh, a historic week, wasn't it? I mean it, it it's it's amazing when you look at uh, sort of the uh, the tempo of the news that's out there and one of the things that I think is, uh, is curious uh, about uh, the, the news cycle we just lived through was how the week started with a security concern and ended with a security concern. Think about this. As we came into Monday uh, of this week, we were still looking back on the brutality of what I will continue to call a terrorist attack in Dallas, Texas, as Micah X went on a rampage, uh, murdering uh, almost a half a dozen cops. Uh, five cops murdered in Dallas. The president made his way to Dallas on Tuesday and spoke uh, at, a, um, at, a, uh, at a memorial service along with uh, former President George Bush, uh, and a, a number of other local dignitaries, including David Brown and, and uh, uh, Rawlings, the uh, mayor uh, of Dallas. You, you look at the story, and you look at what transpired uh, with it, and, and you have to say to yourself, okay, this is a country that is experiencing an up-tempo presence of mass killings. Not, not just in Dallas, but we remember in Orlando, barely a month before the Dallas attack, you had the Orlando attack. And before I, I get to the Nice component, I want to stick, stay in the United States here because it's important. The president came to Dallas and gave a speech, and it was like a tale of two speeches stitched together and an effort being made by the president to rip us apart. And I know that sounds like I'm being cute, but the first part of the speech was a speech that was about bringing us together, speaking about our commonality, not speaking about our differences. And the president stood there and in a very eloquent way because the president does very good speeches. I mean, I, you may despise Barack Obama, but he has a, a way of communicating uh, the moment to people, especially in a social media kind of a world. He has an amazing ability to, to connect in that way. And, and so here you have um, uh, Barack Obama speaking uh, to an aggrieved nation, a nation that is sad, and a nation that has a great division, at least a perceived great division in it, between black people and white people, between the police and the citizenry. That's the, that's the spin you get. That's what you get from the, the hard kooky left. But what's curious about this is, this memorial service comes on the heels of and, – and, and I'm not making light of this. I'm, I'm sincerely not making a joke. I'm not doing shtick. This memorial service that deals with the division between law enforcement and the citizens and, and who gets preferential treatment and the citizens comes on the heels of Loretta Lynch and James Comey testifying in the Congress about whether or not Hillary Clinton got preferential treatment. And Loretta Lynch went to the House of Representatives and looked like an absolute political hack. She looked like somebody who makes calculations uh, based on who needs the influence protection the most. And when she was questioned by people like Trey Gowdy and Jim Jordan and Jason Chaffetz, she, they couldn't get a straight answer from her on anything. If they had asked her, what color is the sky? She'd have said, I, I really, I don't know. I couldn't tell you that. She kept pointing back to Jim Comey and said, "Keep read the law books. Read the law books. And so in a country where you've got a percentage of the population thinking the cops are out to get them and the cops don't give them a fair shake or fair consideration, you have an administration that's got the exact same problem. For for the president to speak in Dallas and to say uh, we need justice and equality and and, and and we need to make sure the population uh, out there and the community feels like they've got uh, they've got an even shot at, at due process, et cetera, et cetera. To say that and at the same time to try to claim that there isn't preferential treatment for a political ally is insulting. It's absurd. It's great. It defies belief. But that's what happened. So there he was in Dallas, and, and this is what I want to I want to speak to. And this is not some look. I, I know there are a lot of talk show radio hosts uh, on, on radio and and you know, other places. That's my truth alert going off. I'm truthy. Um, I, I know there are a number of people who are who are talk show hosts who are who are on the air and who are uh, are, are saying uh, a lot of different things. And and maybe they don't maybe they don't like Hillary. And maybe they don't like. Um, you know, they don't like the president. But the fact of the matter is you you ha- also have people who understand that fair is fair. And, and when there is preferential treatment given, that is wrong. People get that. People understand that. It's the most basic thing you can get. You learn it from a kid on the playground. When someone's got their thumb on the scale and you're not getting a fair deal, you're not getting a fair consideration... You know it, you sense it, and it speaks right to your, to your moral fiber. So here you have the president going to Dallas talking about the need to, to, to kind of rehab uh, the relationship between the police and the community. Uh, here you have the president in Dallas talking about how we need to do better in, in, in healing the racial divide. So we have all these things happening at the same time, um, and, and yet it's, it's his own administration who, who's going to sit there and tell you that— uh, well, you know, maybe we have some consideration for our friends, but, but I'm sorry. There's uh, really nothing we can, uh, we can do about that. It's, it's just the way the process worked. Then I'll buy it. Then I'll buy it for a minute. And so we, we get to this place where there's a lack of credibility inside the institution of the executive branch. Roll into Friday. And the Washington Post has a very curious story, and I don't know how the thing got published. I, I do not. I, don't, I couldn't tell you how it got published. I couldn't tell you who it is that, that greenlit this, but somebody's going to get in a lot of trouble. I want you to go back a month, and I want you to think about what happened at that attack at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando that saw 49 people uh, murdered. And I want you to think about what it was that was blamed for the attack in Orlando. Does anybody remember what it was? I mean, I can remind you very easily. Loretta Lynch and James Comey came out and read from the same hymnal. What was instantly apparent in Orlando was that this was a terrorist attack. Mateen called 911. And said he was attacking the club uh, to show his support for ISIS and Omar al-Baghdadi. Pure and simple. No debate. No discussion. That's what it was. He said it. He said it to a 911 operator during the attack. He had no reason to lie. He had no reason to be spinning. He had no reason to do any of that stuff. Why would a guy in the middle of murdering people pick up the phone and call 911 and say, I'm killing these people because I support Omar al Baghdadi when he didn't really mean it? Loretta Lynch and James Comey came out and lied to you and lied to me. They came out and told us the only reason he attacked the Pulse nightclub was he was a homophobe, he hated gay people, and that this was, in the words of Loretta Lynch, both a hate crime and a terrorist attack. It was a hate crime and a terrorist attack. There's only one problem. The same woman that told you that Hillary Clinton didn't do anything wrong. The same head of the FBI. Did I say the FBI? The same head of the FBI who told you that he couldn't prosecute Hillary Clinton are the same idiots. And I use the word... Specifically for them They were the same idiots Came out And lied to us In just a couple minutes I'll show you how I'm Brett Witterble It's the Brett Witterble Show We'll be back right after this It's Brett Witterble Show Thrilled that you guys are out there So I was talking about this uh this assertion by Loretta Lynch that the uh, the reason why uh, Omar Mateen attacked the Pulse nightclub was because it was a gay club uh, was so bizarre because the Washington Post, the Washington Post comes out with a report on Friday afternoon. I mean, the the latest possible time they could. In fact, they dropped it during the coup uh, story when that was just just ramping up. Um, that, you know, th- th- when that was in the midst of everybody's uh, consciousness and the niece attack was in the midst of everybody's uh, consciousness uh, to, to to do this, the Washington Post comes out and the Washington Post says there's no evidence that Omar Mateen attacked the Pulse nightclub because it was a gay club. That is a huge story and in a time where maybe you didn't have Donald Trump picking his VP, and in a time where you didn't have the Nice terror attacks or the coup d'etat attempt in uh, Dallas and in, a t- in, in, uh, in Turkey, and in a time when you didn't have Dallas on the front page, this would be giant. Uh, and it's, it's a piece by uh, Adam Goldman in the, in the Washington Post that was posted very late Friday. And when I say very late Friday, I mean like six o'clock Eastern time. The FBI found no evidence so far that Omar Mateen, who killed 49 people and wounded more than 53 at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, chose the popular establishment because of its gay clientele, this according to U.S. law enforcement officers. While there can be no denying the significant impact on the gay community, the investigation hasn't revealed that he targeted Pulse because it was a gay club, the law enforcement official said. Soon after the shooting, in the early morning of June 12th, U.S. officials, including Jim Comey, FBI director, and U.S. Attorney General um, Loretta Lynch both described it as a hate crime and an act of Islamic terrorism. I don't remember them saying it was Islamic terrorism. I remember them saying it was terrorism. By the way, the shooting rattled the gay community, and they felt singled out by Mateen. People often act out of... wait, Wait, I'm sorry. This is Loretta Lynch's exact quote. I want to be accurate. People often act out of more than one motivation. This was clearly an act of terror and an act of hate. On its face, it's laughable, because terrorism is hate. Uh, It's, it's, come on. A month later, a complete picture of what motivated Mateen remains murky and may never be known since he was killed in a shootout with the cops. There's no evidence thus far that Mateen, 29, was gay or that the attack was motivated by any kind of homophobia. The assessment, based on interviews and an examination of his computer and other electronic media, reveals that nobody knows why he did it, other than the terrorism component. After the attack, speculation surfaced that Mateen was gay as people came forward to say they saw him at a club and had contact with him on gay dating apps. One man told the Spanish-language television network that he had slept with Mateen. Mateen's first wife, Sitora Yusufi. Raised the possibility Mateen was possibly gay, but conceded it was a suspicion and nothing more. The FBI, however, has been unable to verify that Mateen used gay dating apps and instead has found evidence Mateen was cheating on his wife with women. Officials said there's nothing to suggest he attempted to cover up his tracks by deleting files. They also added he did not make gay slurs during the shooting spree inside the club based on witnesses. He did not make gay slurs as he killed these people, according to witnesses. In a 911 call, Mateen pledged allegiance to the leader of the Islamic State and did not make any homophobic comments. James Comey said Mateen was radicalized and previously the target of a terrorism investigation. They watched him for 14 months, couldn't find anything on him. They knew he was lying to them. The, the FBI, they, they they write that they knew he was lying to them. They, they knew he was not being truthful. Still, some maintain that they had connection with him on the gay dating apps like Grindr. I know Omar was definitely on Grindr, said Cord Sedino, 23 of Orlando. One of my good friends knew him from Adam for Adam app. No reason to make this kind of thing up. I would never lie about this. Kevin West, 38 of Orlando. Maintains that he had numerous conversations with Mateen on a gay app for men. The day of the massacre, um, there was a guy by the name of uh, West who had uh, chatted with him, Kevin West, 38. Um, There was a guy named West, uh, Kevin West. The day of the massacre, West drove to a police station in the Orlando suburb of Popka to report he recognized Mateen from the dating app. Neither West nor Sedino said they saved any of their conversations. Spokesman for Jacked and Grinder said that eh, we either have no comment or we don't have any records of the guy. This is where you get political correctness in a jam because political correctness is in a place where is it worse? Is it worse for the narrative from the FBI? And don't kid yourself and tell me that the FBI has uh, no intention. Of uh, of of being political, they absolutely do. They're a part of the government. Is it worse for the FBI if Mateen is motivated by Islamic ideology, or is it worse for the FBI if Mateen was himself gay and motivated by Islamic ideology? Clearly, the second is worse, right? I mean, they're they're gonna. They're not going to say he's gay. Well, why, Brett? Why wouldn't they say he was gay? If If he's gay, a fact is a fact. Why wouldn't they say he was gay? It doesn't benefit the narrative. Right now, the narrative is gay people were the victims of this heinous attack. They were. But political correctness doesn't care about facts. Look at Hillary Clinton skating on the emails. This is a huge deal. Because the FBI told us, the vice president and the president went to Orlando and lectured us on TV about the homophobia, the rampant homophobia and division in this country. Who is homophobic? Mateen murdered people. Does that make him homophobic? Makes him a murdering terrorist? But you've got an administration... I mean, this is this is on par with the lie about workplace violence and uh, Nadal Hassan and Fort Hood. Th- I mean, th- this really is this is this is puzzling. Workplace violence was to blame for the attack on Fort Hood. Uh, the administration asserted that for years. They wouldn't give Purple Hearts to people in the military who were shot by that animal. And now, and now. They want to tell you an absolute work of fiction that he shot people in Orlando because they were gay when he shot people in Orlando because he was a jihadist. So you have in the administration a desire to soft soap the jihadists and to amplify the impact on gay people. That doesn't feel to you like a political construct on steroids. You're nuts. James Comey and Loretta Lynch redacted the transcripts. Remember, that was the first big scandal in the last six weeks. They redacted the the transcripts. They released the transcripts of the call to the 911 operator, and they wouldn't say ISIS or Omar al-Baghdadi. Why? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. He pledged allegiance to ISIS. What's the benefit of redacting that? Oh, so we don't give any credit to ISIS. They already knew. You guys are idiots in the Department of Justice. I mean, legitimate, like, actual idiot morons who put political correctness in front of everything. And then, so you're wrong on this. You had him under surveillance and couldn't do anything about it. And then you let Hillary Clinton skate. Tell me again about competency. Tell me again about serving the people. Tell me again about protecting America from the threats. Tell me again about all the garbage that you guys try to peddle. Not buying any of it. This is positively loony nuts. And they dump it at 6:30 on a Friday night in the middle of the Turkish coup. Yeah, they're not political. Oh, Brett Witterbull. It's the Brett Witterbull show. (music) Permit me to put on my uh, libertarian hat for just a second. Um, I'm looking at this attack. That took place in Nice, and I'm scratching my head because you have a guy who, in, in the immediate aftermath of this massacre with this truck in Nice, and let me, let me give you my word and my promise, and I mean this when I say this, you're not going to hear me make stupid jokes about uh, truck control and fully automatic trucks, and uh, this doesn't represent trucks, the truck killed the people. I don't think it's funny. And I heard a lot of hosts. I heard a lot of callers this week. People even called by show with it. I just don't think it's a funny joke uh, to say uh, uh, we need truck control, and Hillary wants truck control. I-, I don't think it's I don't think it's funny to make fun of uh, dead children who were run down in a street in Nice, even if it does advance our political point. So I, I just want to say that, and I'm not trying to be a wet blanket, but come on, guys, you got to elevate. You got to elevate here. I got an email from somebody who said, "Well, I guess this means we're going to have to have truck control now." No, stop, please, just stop. Um, let me say this uh, about the, the story coming out of Nice. And it's a huge deal. You, you, have, you have ISIS claiming that one of its, quote, soldiers carried out the attack in Nice. An ISIS soldier carried out the attack in Nice, France this week that left 84 people dead. Uh, said, said the group in a statement via its media group, the Amak. Agency statement, which was posted by ISIS supporters and a security source told the agency that the person who carried out the runover in Nice, France, is one of the Islamic State soldiers who carried out the operation in response to calls to target nationals of the coalition, which is fighting the Islamic State. The French authorities uh, named uh, Mohamed Laway Bouhel, 31, as the uh, man who drove the 20-ton truck through crowds who just watched fireworks for Bastille Day. France has not indicated whether the attack stemmed from a sympathizer taking direction from ISIS or an ISIS member sent to attack. It doesn't matter. Doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter. The result is, is clearly the same. Um, authorities did not release information about a motive. I think it's clear. It's jihad. Uh, Interior Minister Bernard uh, Sazeneuve said that the uh, investigation has so far not uncovered any in, uh, evidence of jihadism. Of, of course it doesn't. These are the same people. And next hour, I'm going to tell you about... Uh, what happened at Bataclan, that is going to get you beyond angry. You'll be, you'll be at the gun store before you know it, uh, stocking up, because this fight's going to be coming here. Uh, French prosecutor Francois Molin said the attack fits calls with the terrorist organization regularly give out on their videos and elsewhere. Five people detained. Among them, uh, Bohel's ex-wife taken into custody Friday, the anti-terrorism prosecutor's office said. The other four are men. Bohel was a resident, resident of Nice, born in Tunisia, but had a permit to live and work in France. French President Francois Hollande, addressing the country following its third major terrorist attack in 18 months, described the assault as an unspeakable act. We have an enemy who's going to continue to strike all the people, all the countries, who have uh, freedom as a fundamental value. He was shot to death after the rampage in the truck, running people over. He was known to the cops. Because of allegations of threats and violence and thefts over the past six years, he was given a suspended six-month prison sentence this year after being convicted of violence with a weapon. Buhel's father lives in Tunisia, said his, uh, sh- his son showed signs of mental health issues, having had multiple nervous breakdowns and volatile behavior. Despite the criminal record, this guy wasn't on the radar for any kind of terror threat. The man was entirely unknown to the intelligence services nationally and locally. A claim from ISIS came as the harrowing details emerged out of Thursday night's tragedy. Kimberly Torres, one of the young victims, described how someone tried to throw her out of the way of the truck, but she was still hit by it. I tried to roll myself into the ball so the people wouldn't crush me, but I still got hit in the stomach and leg. The 16-year-old who lives in Nice studying for an international baccalaureate is now recovering from her um, uh, injuries at uh, at a hospital. We know this was a horrible attack. We know we lost a couple of Americans, but really the nationality of the people who died, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, because it's an attack on all of us, right? Je suis Nice. The attack began around 1045. At one point, he fired a gun several times at three police officers close to a hotel. The truck was rented Monday, was supposed to have been returned Wednesday. Surveillance videos show about two hours before the attack, Buhel rode a bicycle to pick up the truck east of the city. After Buhel was shot, they found a handgun and some ammo in the truck's cab, as well as a replica handgun, two assault rifles, a cell phone, and various documents. France was uh, just preparing to uh, lift their, uh, their, their state of emergency that was still in effect. It had been extended uh, after, after the attack on Paris and then the attack on, on Brussels. They extended their, uh, their alert. They were about to lift it, and now this is what's happened. Let me ask a really awful question, and I'm going to ask this, and I don't care because I can. It's my show. It's not really awful. It's just something to really chew over, chew on and think about. Omar Mateen was on the radar in Orlando, but the feds did nothing. We're told this guy, Boo was not on anybody's radar. He was just known as kind of a local scumbag uh, criminal. I mean, for lack of a better word. Um, nobody really knew who he was. Anonymous, a criminal, who decided to become a jihadi for uh, for ISIS. Okay? The San Bernardino shooter and his wife, not on the radar. The Tsarnaev brothers were on the radar. The Russians called us repeatedly to warn us that they were going to do jihad. And they did. They attacked The Boston uh, Marathon. The Paris attackers on the radar. The Brussels attackers on the radar. I don't know about Istanbul. I don't know about Bangladesh. I don't know about Iraq. But those big attacks, you had people not on the radar and people on the radar. And so I'm going to channel my inner uh, Rand Paul, and I'm going to ask you this. Why are we being surveilled by the NSA? Why are we the people who are going to have to go that extra mile when we get on aircraft here in the United States? When I'm not a jihadist, and I'm willing to bet ninety-nine percent of the people who fly on airplanes here are not jihadists, the, the jihadists are pretty apparent. They seem to match. They seem to match a certain profile. But Brett, you can't judge a book by its cover. Hell, yes, I can. I'm an American citizen. I can do whatever I want, and I'm judging a book by its cover. And I'm telling you, I smell a rat. Look at the people who have attacked. Micah X, fine. You want to say he's an outlier because he's a psychopath. Um, Did it for Black Lives Matter or perceiving that he was supporting Black Lives Matter? Fine. The rest of the attacks? There's a very clear and definitive profile. Go and Google the face of every single person that's led a major terrorist attack in 2015 and 2016 and tell me what they have in common. They tend to be men, a couple women thrown in, men in a specific age group made up of a specific ethnic background, practicing a specific religion who go on these rampages. And yet you're going to take an old lady at the airport and pat her down. You're going to take blonde-haired, blue-eyed, 11-year-old boy traveling with his parents and put him in for extra scrutiny. You're going to take a war veteran who's an amputee in his 50s, and you're going to give him extra screening so that we look to be fair. They're listening to our phone calls. They're reading our emails. They're hassling us at the airport. And these are the same idiots that told you they couldn't charge Hillary Clinton. These are the same idiots that told you Omar Mateen attacked the club in Orlando because it was a gay club. We're, we're being protected by idiots. And we're being asked by idiots to surrender our civil liberties. There's no reason for this. Like, there's no reason for this. Period. Am I wrong? Brett Whittable. Brett Whittable Show. I'm Brett Whittable. It is the Brett Whitterbull Show. I, I want to continue on that, on that theme that we just hit here a second ago, okay? You have a report that the Nice attacker was not on the radar. We have evidence he wasn't on the radar. They told us he wasn't on the radar. He wasn't on the radar. We're supposed to believe that we have to continue... Surveillance of normal American people. Because there's a risk. We're facing a risk. Um, Here's the problem. Appearing on CNN tonight with Don Lemon, a CNN contributor, Buck Sexton, engaged a liberal professor named Mia Bloom in a heated discussion regarding the targets of ISIS. According to Bloom, ISIS attacks, ISIS attacks, aren't aimed at us. ISIS attacks, like the truck massacre Thursday in Nice, France, are less about waging war against the West and more about staying relevant in the Middle East. One of the ways ISIS tried to project power is to have the attacks in the West so it's a way of giving the impression that they're still relevant, they're still powerful, when at a time they're actually decreasing their ability to control the territory, said Bloom. She went on to add that, quote, right-wing politics and Islamophobia encouraged the attacks before um, getting really, really condescending. I <laughs> I <laughs> listen, listen, they're not coming after us. More than they're coming after each other, said Bloom, a communications professor at Georgia State. Uh, Of course, when it comes to terrorism, I'm going to listen to a communications professor from Georgia State. I'm going to listen to a communications professor from Harvard, right? Because, uh, of course, a communications professor would be an expert in this sort of thing. No, you know what? You're an expert in reader's theater, you're an expert in uh, humorous interpretation of uh, sonnets. What the hell do you know about ISIS, lady? Or man, I don't even know who you are. I was referring to the Islamic State, which very clearly, through its external operations arm, along with Al-Qaeda and the Arabian Peninsula, which until recently was considered the most virulent and deadly of the jihadist organizations for this kind of external plotting, they're continuing to do this. Sexton followed up by acknowledging again that ISIS is, in fact, targeting other Muslims, before questioning why Bloom was uh, directing the comments um, at him, this Bloom is a goof. This this Bloom is nuts. You, you have uh, Bloom making the argument that they're only attacking us because they're losing. Poppycock, they're attacking us because they can. This is the problem. Let me... Uh, let me point... To pass as prologue in this regard. So you had 80 people killed in Nice. And according to those first hand accounts, the 31 year old man went out there and ran him down. There's an American named Dominique Molina. Dominique said people were flooding the streets just walking away from the show, and I heard a lot of loud noises. People were screaming, and I saw a big moving truck that was driving onto the promenade running people down. Uh, Here's where it gets disturbing. Hoda Muthana is a 20-year-old Alabama college student from Hoover, Alabama. Hoda was radicalized through social media and ultimately abandoned her family to join ISIS. Earlier this uh, year, or late last year, Hoda advocated for just this kind of an attack. She's a recruiter. She's a recruiter who argued for this. Among the calls to action Hoda Mathana produced is a recommendation for her followers to use a truck to drive all over the place. Americans wake up, she tweeted last year, men and women together. You have much to do while you live under our greatest enemy. Enough of your sleeping. Go on drive-bys. Spill all their blood. Rent a big truck and drive over all of them. Veterans, patriots, Memorial Day parades. Go on drive-bys. Spill all of their blood or rent a big truck and drive over them. Kill them. Muthana's father, Muhammad, and his wife moved to the U.S. from Yemen in 92. All their children were born here and are American citizens. He told BuzzFeed. He controls his kids like every family, but ISIS found some way to get through to his daughter. Perhaps the most difficult thing for Muhammad to come to grips with is that a present he gave his daughter appears to have been the way he got through to her. Upon her graduation in 2013, he gave his daughter a cell phone. When Hoda got a cell phone, she went on it like any teenager, happy with a phone. She opened Facebook, saw some pictures of her, and I told her, no, that's not acceptable, he recalled. Sometimes she was scared. I thought, what do you have? He found what he described as Islamic apps like the Quran, but nothing that sparked suspicion. He was actually more suspicious that she was talking to boys. Hoda now says she became interested in deepening her commitment to Islam by watching radicalized scholars on YouTube. And initially, her family liked the changes they saw in her. I dressed and behaved more modestly, she said. Helped me with my temper, made me a better person. They liked the change until they saw me getting jihadi. Later set up a Twitter account without her father's knowledge, gained thousands of followers, interacting with known members of ISIS. One of her Twitter followers she, uh, she had actually knew her personally was from the Birmingham Islamic Society and said she was different online than in person. She was an activist, but it didn't show in person. So she was undercover. She maintained the quiet girl act at home. She was isolating herself from her friends, started to go in and became a jihadi. She was out there saying hey, guys, run around, run people over. Rent trucks, run people over. In Christmas of 2014, Hoda married a 23-year-old ISIS fighter. He was killed by Jordanian airstrikes less than three months later. In spite of that, she remains committed to staying in ISIS-controlled territory. She's gone, her father said. She's gone. It was her idea that inspired this guy in in, uh, Nice to murder these people with a truck. Unfortunately, we have collaborators here in the West, and unfortunately, the collaborators here in the West are giving good ideas to ISIS to kill us, number one. Number two, unfortunately, we have collaborators here in the West, and we have people who cover up for the crimes of ISIS. The Bataclan Theater was, uh, was the ground zero in the, in the fight in Paris back in November, and in newly released documents from the French government, We find out that the French government knew that during the assault on the Bataclan Theater, the second floor had been turned into a torture chamber where hostages had some of the most vile and vicious atrocities carried out on them. I'm not even going to detail them here. You can find it uh, linked over at Drudge. You can find it online. What they did to human beings in the name of the Prophet Muhammad is disgusting. The French government covered up for some of these crimes, even though they had been affected by the crimes. And it was only by digging and investigating that we found out what really went on at the Bataclan Theater. They made excuses for what was done in some of the most heinous ways imaginable. We have collaborators here in the West, just as we had during World War II. Those collaborators need to be held accountable. We'll lighten it up in the next segment, talk about some fun stuff, talk about Trump. Brett Whittable, Brett Whittable Show.